This is the Burning Pre-Sales Podcast, and today's question will be answered by John Kerr. John is an author, speaker, and professional skills trainer for sales engineers at Mastering Technical Sales, where he's also the managing director. John, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for the invite, Eric. I'm thrilled to be here. Absolutely. And I heard you're, uh, you're wrapping up a new project. Do you mind telling us what that's all about? <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, this, this is blood, sweat and tears. So I have just finished 160,000 words, oh, which man. comprises the fourth edition of Mastering Technical Sales. Um, so the third edition came out in 2014. So there's been a ton of changes over the last eight years. And I can imagine. The job role, technology, buying process, everything else. So it's been completely revised and updated. And it will, fingers crossed, hit the streets at the end of April. So really looking forward to that. Oh, man, look out for that. I'll make sure we promote that and uh, give you some airtime with it. I'm really excited about that. So thank you for sharing that. Um, as is uh, the motion that I run for this podcast, we like to get to the meat of the discussion as quickly as possible so we don't waste people's time. So I, I have a, a couple of questions I want to ask you for this first episode. The question I, I think will resonate with most people um, because I hear it a lot. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious how you're going to answer it. But how do you as, a, um, as an SE, as a, you know, within the pre-sales function, how do you get reps, the AEs on the sales side? to let you do adequate discovery. <laughs> wow. So we're starting with the really difficult ones. Here. That's right. We um, go deep fast. <laughs> yes. You, you do. That's the philosoph philosophical, uh, the meaning of life question. Uh, so I think the, the interaction between SEs and AEs when it comes around discovery is probably the area where there's the most friction between the two mm -hmm. roles. Um, and there's very few people listening to this who would disagree with that. The, the data points are probably one of the, the number one classes that my company delivers globally is a class called business value discovery. Mm -hmm. It's basically don't talk tech until you uncover the business problems. And here's the technique for uncovering the business problems and linking them back to your technology portfolio. And when we deliver this class, it doesn't matter where, whether it's Sydney, Singapore, Stockholm, Seattle, probably the number one piece of feedback we get is the reps should learn this as well. Um, you know, they're terrible at it. And that's mostly true. Now, we've all been privileged to work with the amazing salesperson who sets us up perfectly for right. the, the next call, the demo or the presentation. Um, those people are few and far between. Um, I've been blessed to work with some of those during my career as an SE, you know, and they're great you know, guys and gals to, to work with. Most of the time, though, that relationship is um, not dysfunctional, but there's certainly a lot of room for improvement, I think, right. is, a, is a fair comment. Um, so really, it's about each SE and AE kind of defining the, the swim lanes, if you like, as to you know, who's going to do what. Now, mm -hmm. in a perfect world, the AE would do most of the business value discovery, which is you know, what are the key business issues around you know, time, money, people, risk, revenue, costs, um, formulate those up, pass them to the SE. The SE then looks at that, links them back to the tech portfolio that they are then going to demo, present, um, you know, whiteboard, whatever, and away they go. Um, so that's the perfect world. It doesn't really happen. So... Where it comes to that is it's kind of like a marriage in that you know, both parties kind of need to come to agreement on what's the best way to conduct this business value discovery. 
Mm -hmm. So clearly technical discovery is the role of the sales engineer, right? Very, very few AEs do that or are competent at doing it, and that's okay. Um, so I like to think of technical discovery and business discovery as kind of the, the twin strands of the double helix of DNA, right? They're both important to the structure of the, the call. So both parties need to know how to conduct business value discovery, right? Mm -hmm. Both the account exec and the sales engineer. And even if you're a super technical sales engineer, you still need to know how to do business value discovery because there's times you're going to be with a customer and the rep isn't around. Mm -hmm. So you need this skill. And also many times there are pieces of information that the customer will share with you as a sales engineer that they would never ever sell with the account, no, share with the account rep. Um, and anyone who's been an SE for more than about two months knows that. And interestingly enough, the really good salespeople know that as well. Right? Yeah. They let their SEs run free and go, go find stuff out. Um, so really, it's a matter of if you're working with an AE to get to the heart of your question, that's not allowing you to do adequate discovery, you kind of need to do some discovery on that and find out why. Um, is it the fact that the AEs already had several conversations with the customer and feels you know, embarrassed, as it were, that they'd have to go back and ask some more questions. Um, mm. The AE doesn't want to admit, I don't know, and say that to the SE, or is it a control thing? Um, it's usually you know, one of those three areas. Um, yet the AE normally wants the SE to, you know, as they say here in the States, you know, um, you know, bring out their A game, right? And do the rest, right. best job they possibly can in the demo and the presentation. Um, so I think... The first thing is that the SE needs to clearly lay out with the AE what they as a team, right, as a partnership, need to uncover during business value discovery and figure out who's going to do it. Um, it doesn't really matter who does it, but someone needs to do it and do it such that the SE can then deliver you know, the most amazing demo presentation solution you know, that they possibly can. So those three so, scenarios that you mentioned, I'm curious about that. Is do you see anyone popping up more often than the other? And in terms of the actual process for an SE, I mean, I can, I can imagine some of these relationships might, you know, if there's not already established rapport between the SE and the, and the AE, it might be difficult for them to have a kind of an internal discovery of, of what the underlying problems are and then recommend fixes. I mean, what is there a specific strategy you, you suggest SEs take? Um, or, or apply to be able to do this effectively. So it kind of builds a relationship. It doesn't strain the relationship. It actually makes it a productive kind of discussion. Sure. Um, so let's actually let's take a little step back from that and look at it from the customer point of view. So if I go back in time to when I was an IT executive, right? CIO, mm -hmm. you know, VP of IT. When I had a vendor team, a pair in front of me, um, if they worked well together, you know, to the point where they were almost finishing each other's sentences and they knew what they were going to do. And I saw that they had some body language between them. I knew I was working with a professional team and that gave me a lot of confidence and some trust in those people. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely to the advantage of the AE and the SE that they are harmonious and work together. So in order to do that, you need to have these conversations beforehand. Now, if you're an SE blessed with just working with one AE, right, it's not that hard. 
I mean, because you're working with you know, that person each and every day, you kind of learn you know, the cadence of how they do things. Right. If you're an SE in a pool model where potentially you're working with you know, six or eight different reps, or you're a, you know, quote, an old fashioned inside SE, and maybe you're supporting 30 reps, you could be any one of them at any one time, right. you know, then it's a little harder. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, without getting into gross categorizations, you know, a lot of people say that reps are coin operated. So it's up to the SE to sell it to the rep as you no. Know, here's the what's in it for you in terms of why I need this adequate discovery and make it personal. So I'll, I'll tell you a little story about a sales rep called Jeff, a true story. So this is back when I was an SE director and a bunch of my team were working with this rep called Jeff. Um, and Jeff was actually a pretty good salesperson, except he was terrible at doing the upfront discovery and quite often kind of left my eight you know, my SEs doing what they called them zero discovery demos. They were, you know, they had to do their own discovery up front and then switch things on the fly when they were doing a demo. Now it turns out that Jeff was a very keen golfer and he loved to play golf and he played kind of semi-pro competitive golf actually. So I discovered this because one Friday he took the day off and he went down to um, Atlantic city where in the gaming capitals in the U S here in New Jersey uh, to go play golf for the weekend. And I saw Jeff on Monday and I said, Jeff, how did it go? He said, oh, I went great. You know, I won a couple of thousand dollars. So the competition was on Saturday and Sunday. Why did you go down on Friday? He said, well, I went down on Friday so I could play the course first so I could learn about the course and figure out how fast the greens were and where the bunkers and everything else. I said, huh, sounds like discovery to me. <laughs> and Jeff, who's a really good salesperson, took a step back and said, I see what you're doing there, <laughs> but, but we made it intensely personal for him. Right. Suddenly Jeff understood that him going down early and playing a course the day before to figure out the nuances of that course was exactly the same as the info that SEs needed in order to do the demo. And from that point on, Jeff was a changed man. That's so amazing. Sometimes you need to make this personal story and connection to actually do it. Um, so that, that's certainly one methodology. You, you might say that's a little manipulative, but I, I think that's human psychology and relationships at its best. Oh yeah. Humanization. It works in all facets of, of life. And, and that's a really good example. So I'm going to spill the banks of the question for just a moment, maybe overextend a little bit um, mm -hmm. beyond the, the nature of the question. Once you actually kind of align with your sales rep, then it's a matter of actually performing proper discovery. So maybe without going too long, what does proper value discovery look like? Uh, so it's, it's basically understanding you know, why the heck are you in that person's office or on the virtual call? With right. them. So we talk about key business issues and different sales processes and buying processes, name it differently. Um, but it's, you know, what are the business drivers that are causing the purchase of technology? Mm -hmm. So even in these days of you know, low barrier to entry and you know, cloudification, as we call it, there's still three main business drivers. So there's you know, revenue, right? How's that company going to make more money using your tech? Um, costs, how are they going to save money using your tech? Or risk, how are they going to mitigate corporate or even professional risk if they're high enough using your tech? And then you know, for nonprofits and government, you can throw in mission as well. So it's uncovering how your technology can relate back to that, um, produce changes in time, money, and people, 
right? The, you know, the three ultimate metrics that drive these, right? Such that the customer solves their problem, and it's not just pains, right? So everyone talks about pains, and discovery focuses around pains, but it's also looking at gains. Uh, um, 80% of the time, customers buy because of pain and they want a problem to go away. 20% of the time, customers buy because of gain, something cool that's going to happen in the future, right? One of my clients calls it puppy dogs, unicorn sunsets and walks on the beach. Right? <laughs> so it's a warm feeling. Yeah. And if you can find as an SE uh, with your rep, a way to link your tech to cool, positive stuff that's happening in the future, and you create that emotional bond, then right. really good things will actually happen. Um, so that kind of overall strategy of what's business value discovery, it's uncovering, well, you know, here's all the features in my portfolio, uh, but I need to select what I'm going to show the customer and why I'm going to show it so it solves their problems and helps them achieve their, you know, their hopes and their dreams. And I believe that in the best companies, that is truly the partnership between the SE and the AE. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of reminds me of one other thing, which is how do you make it work at, at a grander, higher level, particularly if you're in a pool model, mm -hmm. go back three or four minutes. So it turns out that the, the average tenure, um, you know, career at a tech company for an SE is now somewhere between three and a half and four and a half years. Right. And we talk about the great resignation and talent war and everything else, but it, it's still pushing four years. The average tenure of the salespeople is usually a little less than half that. Right. 18 so, months, I think, by 18, the last count that I saw. Okay. Yeah. So that, that kind of aligns with what we see. So if you think about it, the average tenure of the SE is at least twice that of the rep they're working with on, on average, mm -hmm. uh, which means that the, the corporate memory, if you like, sits in the brain of the sales engineer. Oh, that's a really fascinating way to look at that. That's so, really interesting. So that's an advantage because when a brand new salesperson comes on board, that's probably the time that they need the sales engineering team more than any other time Right, is the first three to six months to get them up and going with their opportunities. So that Again, it's an opportunity for the SE team to lay out good practices and what their expectations are of the salespeople. So in effect, you're playing the long game in that if the turnover on the sales side is greater than the turnover on the SE side, eventually, you know, as new reps come in, you have more and more of them doing it, you know, quote, the SE way, or at right. least more aligned to the SEs. Um, and then good things will tend to happen in the, the future. So even in organizations, you know, there's hundreds, if not thousands of SEs, uh, when they do that and they play the long game and they actually lay out you know, what the expectations are without making it too bureaucratic and tons of paperwork, it really, really does take friction out of the sales cycle, um, you know, potentially cut an enterprise sales cycle from 15 customer meetings to 13 mm -hmm. and consequently speed up the pipeline. And then good things happen because of that. Oh, that's perfect. I love that notion. I'm going to hit uh, the stop record button. I think that 